Hi everyone, my name is Haley. And this is Laura. And welcome to The Body Pod. All right, welcome back everyone. We are here with Dr. Tony Bataji today to talk about all things metabolism. So welcome, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. So excited to have you on. So this is like a huge, this is probably one of the, the most commonly asked questions that I get and that we hear in our circle of women over the age of 35. So can metabolism, let's just start and we're just going to fire off all of these questions. Yeah. Can metabolism be broken? And if so, how do we fix it? Firstly, I think it's worth understanding what metabolism is, because it's a term that is thrown around a lot, usually from the context of, I can't lose weight, so my metabolism is broken. And we use this term, but we often don't really know what it means. And metabolism just simply refers to the sum cost of everything it takes to run our body, our brain, our heart, our metabolism, uh, is everything that keeps our body going. We typically measure it in the morning, and that's called a resting metabolic rate. But it can also be measured throughout the day, and it can be the sum cost of how much energy we expend total in a day. And then that's how much we exercise, how much we fidget, how much do we move, or are we sedentary? We're really looking at two things when we use the term metabolism. What does it take to run our bodies at rest to keep us alive? And how much energy do we expend in the day? When we hear the term metabolism is broken, it typically means that based on how much active tissue you have and how much energy you expend, your metabolism should be a number, 1,600, 2,000, 3,000. When we say it's broken, it means that it's running on less, and that's why it's difficult to lose weight. Metabolism, more often than not, is not broken. And when we say broken, we just simply means it slows down relatively to what it should be based on our exercise and our muscle mass. Metabolism, of course, is at its highest when we are just born, up until the age of, say, 8 to 10, when we are radically changing everything in our body. So metabolism is super high, and it remains relatively elevated until we become an adult around 18 to the early 20s. And then it stays essentially the same until we're elderly in our 60s, 70s, 80s, and then starts to decline again. How much our metabolism is in terms of a number is based on how much active tissue we have. But there's lots of inputs into metabolism. And yes, it can run a little slow. And this is where we use the term broken, or the term broken is used. It's usually slowed down in response to marked differences in energy expenditure via exercise and reduction in energy intake by eating less. Now, if that goes on for extended periods of time, it could be that the brain thinks that that's the new norm and actually slows down or reduces the energy cost of the metabolism via hormones, via muscle turnover, via the immune system. And that's usually when it starts to slow down. Okay, I have like five questions. I know <laughs> just from everything you just said. Yes, from what you were just saying. So can you explain this? Because I think when you say active tissue, women might not know exactly what that means. So how do we get a higher metabolism and how mm. is that based on our active tissue? If we were to measure our body composition, 
it would look at essentially three things. And you could do this via a scan like a DEXA scan. It looks at how much fat mass you have, how much bone mass you have, and then everything else is considered lean mass. Now, lean mass is not just muscle mass, which is obvious. It's also the organs and the brain. All of that together is called fat-free mass. So we have fat mass that is not metabolically active. It doesn't require energy, whereas everything else does. Kidney, liver, eyes, brain, muscle, bone. It all has an energy cost. They're all slightly different, but they all have an energy cost. When metabolism slows down, and this has been shown in a number of studies where people are either over-exercised or underfed, or both for prolonged periods. Typically, humans are about 1.65 calories or kcals a minute. If you know how much muscle mass and, and lean tissue you have, and it's actually measured and you're running lower than that, you're running say 1.4, or they look at resting metabolic rate and it says, based on how much tissue you have, you should be 1600 calories, but we could directly measure it with a breath, like a gas exchange, a breath by breath analysis called indirect calorimetry. You can measure it. And, and I've had one client who has a history of being a water faster, water only faster. And he can do multiple weeks at a time of just having water. On one day, he had a DEXA scan to measure fat-free mass. So he knew based on how much active tissue he had, he should be running on X, let's call it 2,300 calories. Mm -hmm. But the same day, at the same time, he underwent indirect calorimetry for 30 minutes. So it should measure his metabolic rate precisely, better than what it's predicted to be from the scan. And he was about 400 calories lower than what it should be. So yes, his immune system, hormone system, bone turnover, muscle turnover, it had all become more economical because it detects such large changes in energy intake and expenditure. So when we say broken, it just typically means the body has become more economical at running on less. And wow. so by that, and this is an entire separate podcast, yeah. but that's what we're calling low energy availability. That's right. And this, this is a new term that has now become accepted as a better way of explaining energy deficit, energy surplus, because the active population who are using exercise, whether it's running, lifting weights, however you expend energy, and then modify your dietary intake. It's really difficult to know, A, how much you expend in training, and B, how much you're eating. And most people are very driven to lose body mass, so they can be tempted into adding a lot of exercise, adding a lot of steps, adding a lot of incidental movement, and then eating two meals a day, one meal a day, three small meals a day, but they really bring that down. And there is a large gap between how much we expend to how much we're bringing in, that the centers of the brain can appreciate really quickly that there's a mismatch. You're expending a lot, you're not bringing a lot in. So what are we going to do? We're going to reduce the energy cost of metabolism so that you don't die. And that's called low energy availability. And I think we see this a lot. So for those of you that might not know, Tony and I run a fat loss course together for women over the age of 35. And I feel like this is always one of the top questions the first few weeks that we see and people then rec recognize they might not even realize that they are under eating on purpose. Some are, but some are not and over exercising and it's doing exactly the opposite of what they want it to do. Exactly. And there's been 
a lot of work in this area. There hasn't been enough done in the fitness and health industry. There's been a lot in the sports because in the sporting world, if you are trying to improve your performance and you train a lot, but you under eat, it creates these conditions of low energy availability. They typically start to manifest within a week or so or longer of being in low energy, but there's a lot of similarities between what we experience in the fitness industry with dieters and exercises and those people competing in sports. A number of physiological systems that are regulating metabolism start to slow down. The thyroid hormone slows down. Reproductive hormones, testosterone, estrogen, they start to reduce. White blood cells and immunity, it drops. Bone turnover drops and muscles become what's known as anabolically resistant. That is, they don't like to grow. They basically start to go into conservation mode or even start to decrease. Now, that's just the physiological pathways that are affected by being in low energy. There's also all the psychological ones. There is changes in mood, depressive states, reduction in libido. Most pathways in the body that require energy are shut down or reduced in low energy availability. Do you feel like brain fog also is... Yeah, that's that's like it's a it's a common and it's it's astonishing to me that it's been studied quite extensively now in the sporting world, but the people who experience this all the time are those people trying to improve body composition. They want to decrease fat. I mean, how many have we ever met anyone who doesn't want to lose another few pounds? It's so endemic everywhere, and we can, <laughs> and it requires a systematic approach to having the right kind of exercise but also the sweet spot of energy restriction. Because if you go too little, you don't change your body composition. And if you go too much, such that you can see multiple pounds a week, especially early on, chances are you are in low energy availability and the body is already mounting a fight back response. So it doesn't have such a large energy expenditure because essentially what it's trying to do is take the large energy expenditure and reduce it. So it will slow down brain, metabolism, muscle hormones and so forth okay so question can you i i know this was i, I don't know if the study is still valid or if you have i know it's still valid but maybe you have one that's i don't know something that you like to refer to for, about this but can you discuss i know we've discussed this on our courses about the uh um what is the show the biggest loser oh. about that about how they went like can you just describe that because it's so fascinating for people to hear everyone's familiar with that show can you talk a little bit about that yeah the, the a group of researchers under kevin hall who's a amazing obesity researcher looked at the first show and tracked them before and after the biggest loser and then followed them up six years later what they were able to show is essentially, I think, three really big points that they lost massive amounts of weight. They also lost massive amounts of muscle tissue as well. At the end of the show, metabolic rate had dropped lower than what it should be, because you remember that metabolism is always a function of how much active tissue you have. Mm -hmm. And let's say you start with, I'm just going to throw around numbers for ease of use you've got 100 pounds of fat-free mass, and then at the end of 12 weeks, you've got 80 pounds of fat-free mass. Now, based on this 80 pounds, that has a known metabolic cost to run 80 pounds of, of lean tissue. 
when you have metabolic adaptation, it means that you, you're not this number, you're actually lower than this number. The key finding of that study was not that they lost weight and metabolic rate slowed. It was that six years later, most of the weight was regained, not all, but most of it. But metabolic rate was still lower than what it should be. So it persisted six years later. This study has essentially two takeaway points. And, and one is that, that weight loss is not atypical for us in the fitness industry who do transformations six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, and we try and lose as much weight as possible by doing drastic means. That is by no means just a once-off show for publicity and, and shock factor. We see this all the time. That's point one, it is common. Point number two is that this study showed that six years later, that metabolism was still lower than what it should be based on how much active tissue. The study has been questioned by a group of researchers who think that it's not accurate. In other words, that knowing that the subject would be reanalyzed 60 years later, they went back into energy deficit to try and lose more weight because they realized they had gained it. In other words, they didn't get a high fidelity or very accurate picture of metabolism because they're back in energy deficit. No one doubts that metabolism slows down in energy deficit. The question is, does it persist after you are weight stable? This is an area of debate. At this stage, I would think that the research tends to support the idea that metabolism can slow down and persist even when you're weight stable. A group of researchers, though, have said it only exists in energy deficit. And I'm not convinced by those arguments currently. Okay, so you're what you're really saying is metabolism can slow down given someone that is maybe over-exercising, under-eating when there's low energy availability. But it doesn't necessarily happen just because of our age from someone that jumps from 35 to 40 and people are like, my metabolism slowed down. Yeah, absolutely. And the research supports this. The largest study to date that has looked at thousands of age points in metabolism shows essentially that metabolism is pretty fixed, pretty constant from the time that we're adult to the time that we're elderly. So metabolism is really not changing from 25, 35, 45, 55. What changes is how much muscle tissue we have or how much activity we're doing. Usually what corresponds with a slowing down metabolism is either we have become more sedentary or we're creating conditions of low energy availability that are persisting. I know some females in my life who've been on a lifelong diet, lifelong diet with the occasional splurges and binging, but they've been on a lifelong energy restriction. So yes, their metabolism would absolutely be lower than what you would expect based on their lean tissue. Oh my goodness. This is fascinating. So they're actually doing themselves a disservice hmm. when they're, when they're thinking that they're actually doing what they're doing is helping that's right that they're working that's, for yeah. that's right I, I think we have a viewpoint that everything has to be drastic and we need to see rapid change yeah. when it comes to the loss of body fat it really should be modest because the research that has looked at metabolic adaptation and the loss of muscle tissue has shown that if you are losing modest amounts of weight you know, you're not going to kick in these evolutionary inbuilt mechanisms that cause the compression of metabolism. 
we see it when there's marked energy restriction and marked energy expenditure. So we see it in the physique world all the time, of which I've I have a little finger in the physique world, that when they go they into a diving phase. <laughs> <laughs> and and we see this marked changes in physique, but then they swing right back out and have a massive weight regain again. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessary. And the two girls that I've just worked with recently have got down to very low levels of body fat. Now in Australian language, they're both around four or five kilograms, which is just over 10 pounds of fat mass, exceptionally lean. Wow. Both kept their period. And both based on blood work have no signs of low energy availability. So it is entirely possible to get extremely lean, extremely lean, and not lose your health at the same time. But both of them did not undergo marked energy restriction, marked energy expenditure, and do that for prolonged periods of time. And you have to have a really good coach <laughs> yes, <laughs> to help you stay in that sweet spot for sure. But sorry, ladies, he's booked. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I think that you said that is so powerful, which was one of the questions, the next questions we were going to ask, but you already answered it basically is, does your metabolism slow down as we age? And why I think what you said is so powerful is I find people making excuses for themselves or saying so often, oh my gosh, my metabolism is just shot. I'm just aging. It's because I'm old. And they're not old. They're like 40 years old. They're in the prime of their life. But it is, I think, powerful that you said what you said. And yeah. because it, it, it can't, it's not an excuse. Our metabolism isn't slowing down. From it, it is. And for most people, it's, it's not slowed down due to dieting anyway. It's usually because the components of energy intake and outtake are, are notoriously difficult to measure. And we can therefore think, well, it must just be my metabolism if I find it difficult to do this. Well, the fact is, it is difficult to do this because you need to change, body composition changes over many months. It doesn't change over many days. It doesn't change over much over many weeks. It changes over time. Yeah. And because we, it's very difficult to control this over the long term, it, we can be tempted into thinking, oh, it must be metabolism. Metabolism stays pretty constant. All right. So before we wrap up here, testosterone for women, if, if you knew, I mean, this is a physician question, but for you to just kind of have your input, if testosterone is low, should women supplement? Cause I know this is kind of a hot topic with, I don't know, in the pre perimenopause, postmenopause females. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic that we don't have all the answers to because it's notoriously understudied in females. It's extremely well studied in men because testosterone replacement therapy has had a lot of scrutiny from the health effect does it affect prostate cancer does it affect cardiovascular risk factor and what doses are we trying to do to keep you in a healthy range and what is a healthy range there's a lot of red tape around this especially with men because when you hear the word testosterone you hear cancer heart disease prostate cancer in particular. And then we automatically think abuse by bodybuilders and athletes. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's a lot of red tape around it. And a lot of people don't want to discuss it. Where I think this is a real shame is that females also have testosterone and testosterone decline with age that affects quality of life, 
bone mineral density, muscle mass, strength, and power, which are all strong predictors of aging, aging well, but also the risk factors of fall and the loss of muscle as we age. And I think females have been unfairly excluded from this discussion. And we talk about estrogen, and rightly so. But with estrogen, we have far more testosterone. A female has far more testosterone than they have estrogen. But the way that we look at the numbers, it looks like estrogen is the dominant hormone, but this is actually not the case. I do think it is extremely worth discussing testosterone with your primary care physician because many females are running low, especially as they age. And it could be for any number of reasons which a physician would discuss. Are you sleeping enough? Are you eating a, a well-balanced diet? Are you over-exercising and nourishing yourself? Because these things can greatly affect a female's testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. The females that I'm monitoring testosterone with when they're in energy deficit, that's extreme. So a lot of exercise and not a lot of food coming in. Testosterone bottoms out to what my 76-year-old mother's is. Wow. We've seen unmeasurable testosterone in numerous females, not a handful, numerous females who are over-exercisers and under-eaters. But it also happens when you don't sleep enough. These are vital to have a discussion with your doctor about. And... In, at least from the men, remember, this is really poorly studied with females, at least with men, normal levels of testosterone replacement therapy to bring you back to what numbers would be, say, 25 to 35, have been repeatedly shown to not have an effect on the cardiovascular system or the androgen sensitive cancers such as prostate cancer. They are safe. This is a different discussion to performance enhancing drugs, mm -hmm. but it's very well studied for replacement therapy. And this is where you would try and take your numbers to what it would be when you're in your 20s and 30s in conjunction with what the other hormones are doing. I really think this is a worthwhile discussion because we are seeing it a lot with females. And why rob yourself of bone mass and muscle mass when it could just be as simple as rubbing on a very small gel every day or every other day? Oh, perfect. So really the, the key to a healthy metabolism comes down to lean muscle mass. Exactly. Yeah. And we, so you can't control how big your liver and kidney and heart are that, that they're essentially fixed, but you can most certainly control your muscle mass, which is the largest driver of metabolism that is controllable. Yes. You want to maintain muscle as you age, as your primary focus of exercise. Now that doesn't mean you don't do Pilates and yoga and cardio and interval training. These are all important. But none of those modes of exercise has such a profound ability to affect our muscle mass like resistance training. So it really should be the primary mode of exercise for everyone over the age of 30. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for coming on. I cannot wait for our next discussion. And this has been a fascinating, quick little 20-minute uh, interview. So thank you for joining us. And we look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Take Thanks care. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and sharing the body pod with your friends. Until next time.